Boozed and Confused is a comedy and weird topic podcast. Adult language may be used probably by me. While our episode topics may be educational in nature, we are not responsible if your children start dropping the F-bomb to their kindergarten class. Listener discretion is advised. everyone. Hey. Welcome back to another late episode of Booze and Confused. Very on brand. Hey, we can explain. I'm, I'm Carol Ann. I'm uh, Matt. And uh, yeah, this is us. We, we really tried. But you know what? It's Tuesday. I swear we're not late just so I can say it's Tuesday. Uh, but yeah, we're just going to come at you live, kind of. I'm going to publish as soon as we're done with this. So. Ooh, that's, that's fresh. How, that's, that's how some, you know that's it's good. Fresh, that's some fresh sauce right there. Right from the market. Um, we've got a really interesting topic for you today. Pretty fucked up. Uh, really interesting piece of history that everyone can share in because, shockingly, it's not just the U.S. that fucked it up this time. Um, but before we get into today's Whoa, topic. that's so unpatriotic. You know, the word patriot just kind of makes me cringe these days. I don't know if it's just me. Have you ever read the Patriot Act? No. I, it's something about <laughs> tattling on your neighbors for parallel parking illegally on on a, yeah. on a snow day with they, two inches on a bus route. They park on the street, but they face the wrong way on a two-way street or something Yo, like that. Yo, you're legit calling out our neighbor <laughs> right now. I'm just using a hypothetical example. Um, all right, before we get into today's episode, you already know the drill, um, but before we get into it, uh, oh boy, here we go. a couple things. The Ugh. first one, um, we're on all your favorite social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And, um, you know, I was like around for a couple days and then I wasn't, uh, and then I was around again. So just ebbs and flows with life. I really do try. Um, but if you're not on social media and you would still like to reach out to us, you can reach us at Boost and Confused Podcast at gmail.com. Um, would love to hear from you. Always like to read stories and, uh, you know, when y'all tag us and stuff in social media, I always appreciate it. Um, yeah. So the next one is if you like the pod and you want to support us, the best way that you could do that is by leaving us a review and or subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Um, it does make a difference. I promise. And also, that's another thing I really enjoy reading. Um, even if you tell us to go eat shit, I'm still waiting for a bad review. D that's not encouragement, but wow. I'm still <laughs> I'm still waiting for a review that rivals our youtube comment that we like to call back to so often yeah you um you know you say please like like please like add us to your like will or something <laughs> send me some money <laughs> wait hold on should we start doing uh little snippets like how npr goes leave npr in your will oh my god leave a gift after you're dead do you have a car that you don't drive anymore well <laughs> beep beep <laughs> turn it into your favorite npr shows turn it into your favorite crap podcast i'm guy Roz. <laughs> i like i like guy, guy, i like guy Roz. I'm, he's I got like a guy great Roz. he's got a great pod voice uh so great anyways um if you leave a review um 
and you take a screenshot and you send it to us. We'll send you some stickers of our crap pod in the mail. They're great stickers. Legit, um, the next person to submit, I'm sending you a stack. <laughs> Like a third of the box. I'm just going to send it to you. And uh, we try to go international. So don't let that stop you just because we're based in the good old US of A. Um, Yeah. And the last one is what are we drinking today? My can is gone. Um, We went to Costco and we got a Lagunitas uh, Wonder Pack or whatever the hell they call it. Mine's a little something. I'm drinking a Lagunitas Hazy Wonder. There's a dog on the can, and it is, um, I don't know, the description said something about cashmere So and Comet Haps, so I'm drinking dinosaurs. I don't know. Anyways, all right. So I have to say, when I first found out about this topic, um, I was shocked, but I guess I shouldn't be. Um because I, I just couldn't believe something so egregious could happen and, like, not be talked about more commonly um, or could, like, really go under the radar for so long. But it turns out it wasn't really talked about because those who were involved were held to an oath of secrecy until, like, the 90s. In this market? In this economy? At this time of year? You know what? I'm going to be honest. I keep making that, like, in this economy joke. I don't fucking know where that came from. Oh, I just started I, doing it after the game that we went to. I I definitely um it's some it's a reference to something that I watched and I just it stuck for me. Oh good. As a response to something. Okay, great. And now we've made it a thing. Great. Um so what are we talking about today? We're we're going to talk about atomic veterans. Oh, that sounds pretty um interesting it yeah it is interesting not only is it interesting it's honestly one of the most mind-blowing things I've ever heard of and I like okay so as I started writing this episode I was like wondering if it's something my grandfather was part of when he was in the navy in the 40s um spoiler alert I don't think based on his time in the service right and like matching it up to when all of these tests happened I I don't think that he was subjected to this but um yeah I, I I have a little snippet at the end of this episode if you want to try to figure out if maybe someone in your family was so a snippet yeah I don't know why I called it that a, snippet. a little a little plug I don't know do we got plugs yeah I don't, I don't I don't know what I'm gonna atomic veteran that sounds like a like it would be in fallout 4 yeah pretty much that's you know, it's funny you put it that way because I think that's how the government was trying to position it in their minds of like, Ooh. like what are the effects of atomic? Well, I don't want to get ahead of it. Uh, all right. So we should we should talk about what we're going to talk about or what we are talking Let's about. Let's talk about <laughs> what we're talking about. So at like a very high overview, atomic veterans are military veterans who were exposed um you know, actually really just like forced to participate and most times didn't know what they were about to participate in, um, in an above ground nuclear test as part of their military service. So this happened between 1945, 1962, or if you were part of the U.S. military occupation and forces or occupation forces and around um, Hiroshima or Nagasaki before 1946, or if you were held as a POW in either of those sites. Um, there's also a group that if you were exposed during like underground nuclear testing in Nevada from, you know, 51 to 92, 
which is probably the most recent of them. Um, the estimate is around 400 to 550,000 military personnel who, very loose air quotes, participated Ooh. in this. And as of 2020, the estimate for surviving veterans is around 10 to 80,000. And we'll talk about why there's such a big range in that number. There's a pretty big range. I mean, I don't expect many people um, from the 40s to necessarily be doing all that great at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, I think had we been doing this pod like 20 years ago, uh, really, you know, setting the trend for podcasts, um, it probably would be a different conversation. But a lot of those folks um, who did pass away, uh, you know, from side effects of of being subjected to these tests um did so much much earlier on than you know just now but man 20 years ago we could have had like a little ham radio on our house and just like broadcast on the radio waves at like 2 a.m god i you know that really would be the dream wouldn't it Kind of like I had mentioned, uh, veterans that fell into this like atomic veterans category were not just from the U.S. They were also from the U.K., Australia, New Zealand, France, China, and Russia. Um, and as we know today, those who are have been exposed to those unsafe, unsafe levels of radiation um, typically end up developing some pretty serious health complications and. I'm going to be honest, it kind of seems like that was the point. Like that was what the U.S. government was trying to test for. These military folks were being used as human guinea pigs in some cases to see how live soldiers and the ships that they were on or were not on. Um, in some cases, you know, they were just soldiers in trenches out in the desert. Um, how they would stand up being exposed to radiation. Right. Like, uh, hey, just stand over here and... Um we'll we'll talk to you in three to four months tell us how you're feeling <laughs> we care about you have please, a nice day please fill out a survey <laughs> thanks for your service um not to make light of a very fucked up situation i do have stories in here um and there are so many stories that you could read i only have a few um i also have stories in the show notes um there's like an entire uh, I want to say it might be a Vice documentary, BBC documentary. Ooh, Vice. They um, always do such they always do. they always do such a good job. They always do They're something. a little edgy for my taste, but yeah. mm, So Vice. maybe it was BBC because They're always tasteful. Yeah. Um but there's there's a link to like a 12-minute documentary you could watch about this, which is how I originally found this topic. That's just long enough for my attention span. It's like 12, 14 minutes golden. There, well, there's even like a shorter video that is seven minutes. No, um, no, no. Yeah. I'm okay. I can do 14. Yeah. Okay. All right. Great. So unfortunately for the servicemen who would go on to be known as atomic veterans, they were sworn to secrecy about what they had witnessed and what they had been exposed to. So this meant that not only could they not talk about it with friends or family, nobody, um, they were also prevented from seeking medical care or disability compensation. So if you were to talk about this and the government were to find out, you could be considered treasonous. You could be fined like $10,000. It was pretty fucked up. Um, that, that's a little that's a little wild. Yeah. So no treatments. No. No care. No. 
And so the veterans who were trying to seek help for the cancers that they developed or tumors that they developed, um, both common and rare that they were being riddled with, they could not say a word to their doctors about what they had been exposed to that would have caused this cancer or whatever you know ailment that they were dealing with you know doc it's those tanning beds yeah it really must be me just sitting out in the florida sun for too long i stare at the microwave the entire (laughs) time my food's spinning in that thing i want to know how it gets hot yeah well microwave radiation maybe is another conversation another another topic i do know some people that are like if you're pregnant don't go near a microwave boy where there's they're literally (laughs) everywhere um so on top of all of the secrecy that they were sworn to they were also never really given the recognition that they deserved for their sacrifice and that's what it was it was a sacrifice because um they were subjected to some pretty fucking horrible uh testing uh that then riddled them you know, some disabled for the rest of their lives, slowly but surely. Um, and it, you know, again, it sounds like they didn't really have a choice, uh, any of them. So it wasn't until 1994 with good old former President Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton. <laughs> this is before he got caught with the whole yeah. Lewinsky yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, so he, like, he had launched this investigation or initiated an investigation to review, uh, the radiation exposure that the veterans received as well as radiation experiments conducted on humans. And it wasn't until 96 that the oath of secrecy was rescinded, which then allowed the atomic veterans to recount their stories of what they were subjected to. Um, and they could talk openly then without fear of penalty, um, What's really interesting, and I didn't know this, uh, well, I don't know any of this, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, this is not stuff that they teach you in, uh, in class, in history class. What's really interesting is that the day that Bill Clinton made this public apology to veterans, I didn't, I didn't, I can't do a great Bill Clinton impression, so I didn't Ooh. write his Ooh. speech in here. Ooh. I got you. I got you. I got you. Um, You can look it up. But so he makes this public apology to veterans and he basically says that the um, government or the the administrations that were in charge of what was happening, they're no longer around to apologize or to take accountability for what they had done. But like on behalf of the entire American, you know, state, like we are sorry for what you were subjected to. Um, So he makes this big public apology. It's the same day that the OJ Simpson verdict was handed down in a live courtroom feed. So it seems like history oh, focuses convenient. more uh-huh, on convenient. that than what Bill Clinton had showed the world. Because when Bill Clinton made this speech and when the oath of secrecy was rescinded, it was finally like it was that moment that veterans could know that they could talk about it freely. However, because most media was focusing on O.J. Simpson, O.J. Simpson, most veterans like didn't even know that this because, had been rescinded because they were watching the O.J. trial. Well, no, was it? <laughs> I was watching the O.J. trial in in ninety six. Yeah, I was alive and very <laughs> yeah, aware I'm sure, of things. I'm sure your mother had that on. I TV. bet Bill Clinton. I'll ask her. Bill Clinton, you know, oh, what a, I, I bet he was like, all right, y'all. You can y'all. You can talk about. You know my 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 Clinton and my George Bush. Yeah, get I was, a little. <laughs> they really mix up. I was just gonna ask you what your favorite quote 
from a president would have been has ever like but that's that's neither here nor there i want to bring up i'll have to think about it i wanted to bring up that time that george bush was talking about 9-11 and he's like we will hunt down all the terrorists 9-11 was terrible now watch this drive it's like he's on a golf course <laughs> and he like smashes the golf ball that's all yeah i i remember that listen y'all veterans oh we're we're God. we're real sorry about what happened to you but you can talk about it now by the way oj simpson's trial's on let's <laughs> um all right so again veterans who qualified or who fell into this category had no idea because they hadn't heard and again it's not like the internet is super widespread back then people weren't getting like google news updates to their phones um i mean even older folks now probably don't really get those to their phones anyways as you can imagine because it's almost the 2000s at this time thousands of the atomic veterans had already died from their health issues and they already took the secret to their graves to add on top of um, this already fucked up like oath of secrecy that they were kept to, there were official records that were kept about this that were mostly lost in a fire in the 70s, like entire building gone. Um, so it's kind of unclear what official documentation um, they have of like who was involved or who's eligible for additional compensation. Um, not only do you get compensation, I think it's like $75,000 from the government, you get prioritized healthcare from the VA within the US. So the Veterans Affairs, yeah. Yeah, VA. Well, I'm just saying for the people who are not American listening to this, oh, I don't want to yeah. fill it with a bunch of acronyms. Bunch of American acronyms. <laughs> so the burden of proof is then put on the veteran to prove like, hey, I was actually there. Um, so there's one story I'll go into more depth about later. But a man said he didn't find out a bit about the oath of secrecy being rescinded until 2015. Ooh, and that, he didn't he didn't know that he was eligible for benefits. Yeah, that just happened. Yeah, yeah well, you know what's funny is I was like, oh, 2015, that was like a couple of years ago. No, it's like, almost 10 <laughs> years ago. It was like... <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, it's 2015. He finds out that he's eligible for benefits and he tries to claim them. They said that he had to provide all the proof that he was there because they lost their records. So oh. he, he went so far as to going and paying for a polygraph out of his own pocket to be able to say, like, yep, I was there. But aren't polygraphs, like, yeah. shenanigans? Yeah, I'm pretty aren't sure. Aren't they kind of, yeah. like, old old news? We have new ways of... Yeah. Did you finish that whole thing? The is that indic? Is that indicative of how this week has gone so far? And it's only Tuesday. Shh, it's like Thursday. Shut <laughs> up. It's like Thursday. It's fine. We're you know what? I think the beer being... So I'm drinking it in a, a nice glass mug. <laughs> Welcome to the ASMR pod. No, it's... So I, it my my sips are naturally more like bites. They're gulps. Yeah. Um. All right. So veterans would go to the VA to get help and to pay for medical treatments. And they were repeatedly denied. Um. The... Uh, Department of Defense estimated their radiation exposure was like less than the maximum exposure limit, which also seems like such a fucking arbitrary number that the DOD could just make up and be like, oh, well, you're below this. So, you know, 
sorry, sorry, good for you. Um, but the VA would then come back and be like, oh, because the DOD said that your exposure was way less than the maximum allowed, uh, we're going to deny your claim. So in the beginning, before the 90s, atomic veterans had to prove evidence of cancer within one year of being discharged. And that was like the only way that they could qualify, if you want to call it that. And on top of that, because they were considered as working during peacetime uh, and weren't eligible for disability and medical benefits, they were also denied. Um, so eventually in, you know, 1979, the VA said like, oh, okay, well, here's eight types of cancers like leukemia and, you know, a couple common ones that could qualify you for base compensation and benefits. However, we know that it wasn't just like eight types of cancers that people were getting. People were getting cancers that like, it's, it's incredibly rare and it's like, you, you look at the group of people that form these cancers and right. it's a super rare group and then you see it all within like these military personnel. It's like, hmm, suspicious. Right. It, a lot of bells ringing, a lot of red flags. Yeah. And the other problem is because the VA said, here's eight types of cancers that are covered, it didn't cover any of the other ailments that people had. Like if you had tumors or muscle disease, you were shit out of luck and just not recognized mm -hmm. by the VA. So the whole like can't get disability and medical benefits during peacetime thing was changed in 1988 from a compensation bill that Congress passed. Um, they also changed it from one year after just discharge of developing cancer uh, to 40 years, which is a pretty big difference and hopefully a, a helpful, sizable difference for the veterans. Um, but this is a lot of conversation about American veterans, uh, one, because we're Americans, but two... Um, a lot of this is not similarly documented for other countries, at least not that I could easily find. So I had said like it's the UK and France and New Zealand, um, China and Russia, there's like almost nothing. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> there's like not much um, from a government perspective that I could really find. For the US, I'm kind of focusing on it again because we're in the US, but two, because the government is the most like transparent Ooh. right now yeah, if you want to sure call we are. it that. yeah it, yeah we're transparent sure <laughs> wink, wink, wink wink transparency <laughs> that's like the nicest thing um i've probably said about the u.s government so i'm gonna go through some of the situations in which other um atomic veterans had gone through this uh so we'll we'll start with the the french workers so they were exposed during their nuclear weapons test program I'm going to butcher some of these names um, because I can say them in my head, but when it comes out of my mouth, it's like, <laughs> um, so this is Moru, Moruora Atoll in the Pacific, M-O-R-U-R-O-A. Moruora. Yeah. Atoll Morora. in the Pacific between 1966 and 1996, and it's debated how many nukes were actually tested here, um, but the number is somewhere between 175 and 181. So that's a shitload of nukes. That's a lot of nukes. That is a lot that's of a nukes. a lot of nukes. Especially compared to some of the other ones that we'll go through, that is a fuck load. Um, and as of like 2005, you still can't visit for very obvious reasons. It's not like... Bad. It's bad weather. Yeah. It's yeah. bad weather. Yeah. You just... Ugh. 
So Australian service members um, supported British nuclear weapons test programs at Emu Field, uh, Maralinga, the Montebello Islands, and Christmas Islands um, during the period between 1952 and 1963. Emu Field, surprisingly, can be visited. Um, Apparently, when you go, there are stone monuments there that act as, like, ground zero points. Some of these places are also very... um, Oh, what is the word I'm looking for? Remote and Mm. hard to get to anyways, which is probably why they were chosen as nuclear testing sites. No one will ever want to go here. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So Maralinga, you know, for any Australians that are listening, I know know you guys are on here. Please don't be mad at me if I'm really butchering this. Um, All right. So Maralinga is in the remote western areas of South Australia. It's heavily contaminated by testing in the 50s and 60s, and even as late as the mid-80s, there was significant residual contamination left at the site uh, when the government so graciously handed the land back over to the original owners, uh, the aboriginal people of the area. Oh, what a shit move. (laughs) That's such a shit move. It's so fucking shitty (laughs) that they're like, you know what, we're going to take this land, and then they eventually give the land back, and it's so fucking contaminated um that people are like no 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 you you got to do something else so from what i had read it sounds like um the local aboriginal people were even still close to these tests after like sh- sh- relocating um and they were poisoned in addition to the servicemen um and most of the testing and a subsequent like almost 14 million dollar settlement was made in 1994 um but a lot of that was kept secret from the public so, I mean, none of us are really handling this great, to be honest. Uh, but at least the 90s, some of it seems like it starts to change. So in 1995, the UK and Australia made significant efforts <laughs> to clean up the site. Um, but I, I say significant because a lot of people dispute the effectiveness of the cleanup. Um, yeah, and like how safe it is to actually be there. Like even yeah, radiation is one of those things I just don't understand. We were watching that one. What's that show? Dark Tourist. Oh yeah, the people who go to Chernobyl. And well, yeah, it was no, no. I I think oh. he went to oh uh, Fukushima. Yeah, he went yeah. to Fukushima, and they had their little radiation is detectors. It, oh yeah, I was gonna say not a Geiger counter. That's not a. Oh, is it a Geiger counter? Ooh, that that is ringing some kind of bell. In the back of my brain, I think you might be right, uh, but no. Uh, <clears throat> ooh, there's a good little clear one right there. <laughs> Very. Um, I'm gonna say you're right. Geiger counter sounds like it's legit. Yeah, it sounds uh, right. Anyways. 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 So Montebello Islands were off of um, northwestern Australia's coast. There were three atmospheric tests done here. Christmas Island is an external Australian territory, and testing here was called Operation Grapple. Um, This consisted of four atomic bombs and hydrogen bombs between 1957 and 1958, uh, in addition to nine nuclear explosions. When I was looking into Christmas Island, there were like a bunch of different names. Um, If somebody from Australia could explain to me why, I tried to look into it, and then I was like, I don't have time. Um, So... If the the names seem off, I apologize. Like I had mentioned before, 
Um, there's not really a lot known about China's testing, but we do know that more than 100,000 troops of China were sent into the deserts of Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region uh, to provide the labor at the test sites for China's first atomic bombs. Um, and a number of these troops later developed serious medical problems. We don't really know more than that. Uh, complete side note, I, <laughs> to make sure I was somewhat accurate in that pronunciation, had to put it into Google Translate for the um, little sound guy. Pronunciation. Because Matt kept No, I, confidently I was crushing it. Nope. <laughs> I was crushing Kept it. confidently pronouncing it like three or four different ways. I crushed it the entire time. Um, all right. So for the atomic veterans who are still living and share their stories, their stories are absolutely fucking shocking, but there's a lot of commonalities between them. And you'll hear that in some of the stories that we go through, but um, some of them are just, it, it's just heartbreaking to listen to. So um, there's one story that I'll give you an overview of. I really recommend that you go read the full article yourself. It's of a guy named Hank Bolden. And as far as my research shows, he's still living. He's like around 84 years old. Um, this article and the interview were done in 2020, like beginning of 2020. Mm -hmm. So hopefully Hank is still around. Um, you know, he's like picked up some hobbies later in life. So uh, that was like a joyous spot of this article. But he talks about accompanying a friend to a New Haven recruiting station in 1953, and he lies about his age and joins the army at just like 16, uh, which is not uncommon. Lots of guys did this to pass for the enlistment age of 18. I think my grandfather did that. <laughs> I don't know why you'd want to join at 16. You know, I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm not super sure. Um, but I should mention... Uh, and I promise it's relevant, but I should mention that Hank is black and he talks a bit in his story about how he's serving for just a few years um, after Truman's executive order to desegregate the armed forces. Um, the last all black units in the military weren't abolished until 1954, which is wild. So in 1955, when units were integrated, he still faced a lot of racism, which is not surprising. Sad, not surprising. Um, but it's also in 1955 that he's ordered to the Nevada desert with absolutely no explanation. Um, he says that they have no idea initially what they're facing, but eventually he would, um, you know, become exposed to a classified operation known as Operation Teapot at the Nevada test site. All races of military personnel participated in Operation Teapot. Um, but when he got to Nevada, he realized all of the other soldiers that were specifically selected for a quote-unquote mystery assignment were black too. So he points out that there's this myth about black people being able to withstand or tolerate certain things more than any other race. So there's like spe specific no. tests being studied around that as well. That's wild. Which is just That's wild. fucking gross. As, you know, if this isn't gross enough. Um, so on a February morning, uh, Hank and his unit are ordered into a trench in the desert uh, that they had purposely dug in the predicted path of the fallout just under three miles away from what would become Ground Zero during Operation Teapot. And he recounts 
um, that there's this countdown that like blares on the loudspeakers. But even like even then they had no idea what was about to fucking happen. Can you imagine being in a trench? You're like in the fucking middle of nowhere. uh, And there's just this countdown like how eerie that is and like terrifying. Yeah, I don't like countdowns in the first place. And if I'm just chilling and I hear like a three, two, one. uh, Yeah, I ain't playing. Yeah. And so like even then they had no idea what was about to happen. Um, And he mentions that they were only wearing their standard uh, cloth fatigues and helmets and they just anxiously sat there waiting to see what was going to happen. They were told to cover their eyes. (laughs) <laughs> careful y'all here's some sunglasses not even it was I know. like it's just, just just cover your eyes some of them were told to um you know like put their heads down depending on the story that you listen to and like where they're from it's like put your head down cover your um hands over your eyes um or i think the most common recommendation was like putting your head in like the the, nook of your arm the, yeah, you know like put it put it in the elbow nook. yeah there you go put it in the elbow nook yeah So what Hank was exposed to was shot wasp, which was the first nuclear test of Operation Teapot. And it created a mushroom cloud that reached 21,500 feet in height in the air, which is fucking crazy. So a really common part of a lot of these stories that you hear is they talk about the flash is so bright. It's the brightest thing that they've ever seen that it pretty much like illuminates their skin to where they can see their bones like they can see their skeleton oh my god not that they like get x-ray vision because a lot of people read this and they're like the fuck do you mean that they got x-ray vision no it's It's, that so bright yes it's like when you put your finger over a light bulb and you see like the red yes exactly something it's like it's that much brighter that's crazy yeah it's crazy So a quote from Hank, um, with the radiation, when you put your arms over your eyes or your hands, you can actually see the bones. You see the bones in your body from the exposure. You can see your skeleton. Um, So he said immediately after the fallout came, there was like a warning to all units. That was pretty much you were sworn to an oath and you couldn't talk about it. And if you did, you were threatened with imprisonment and fines like we talked about before. So after the countdown, they're like, all right, you can't talk about what you just saw yeah like literally after like the fucking mushroom cloud happens and they're like okay yep by the way by the way you can't say this to anybody wild so for 60 fucking years hank doesn't say anything to anybody about this even as he develops bladder cancer and posterior subcapsular cataracts and multiple uh myeloma I think I'm saying that correctly. That's like a pretty rare form of cancer. Um, and all this happens in like the 80s and 90s. And he doesn't talk about what happened. Um, he's given three to four years to live. He beats cancer. He goes on living his life. And it's not until 2015 he finds out that the ban of secrecy had been lifted um, and that he could apply for benefits. He only found this out because he was researching something on the internet and it like just happened to come up. And his story about applying for benefits is the one that I shared before Mm -hmm. where he paid for his own fucking polygraph test um, to prove that he was there. So he says that he's likely one of only two surviving black atomic veterans who are acknowledged um, and receiving compensation from the government for what they went through. Um, But he spends a lot of his time reaching out to as many survivors as he can and helping them apply for recognition and compensation. 
Um, and what's really sad is Hank's story is really common. Um, there's a guy named Tom Stafford who, at the time that this article was written in 2019, he was 91 years old, which is amazing. Oh, he made it. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Um, so he was a U.S. petty officer from 1945 to 1951, but he was assigned to the USS Nevada, which was um, the chief target vessel for the first test at Bikini Atoll. And I don't know why, like, this atomic veteran stuff and Bikini Atoll, like, never put two and two together in my mind before any of this, but it makes a lot of sense. So... Um, Tom talks about how the first bomb that was dropped was 710 yards off point, so it caused less damage than expected, which is really fucked up, because had it dropped where it was intended to, it likely would have sunk at least nine ships, killing most of who was on board. Which, what the fuck? So, a few weeks after that test, the second bomb was dropped, but it was an underwater detonation, and ten ships sunk during the blast from this. These are like manned ships. Yeah. That's what insane. Mm-hmm. So uh, Tom said, uh, we were all still on the ship after the second one happened. I remember somebody with their face and hands covered saying to us, stop, stop, stop. Get off. It's too hot from the radiation that was happening from, wow. from the test. Mm-hmm. Um, we were told to take our, all our clothes off and to throw them over the side and then take an oatmeal bath. I ended up covered in red spots all over my body. Five doctors came and looked and just told me it will go away. Take an oatmeal bath. Yeah, like isn't you have the what, fucking chicken pox. Isn't that, yeah, I was going to say, that's what you take when you have chicken pox, is you take an oatmeal bath. God, how insulting. And to make it worse, all of his superiors were wearing bodysuits and goggles. Not that I'm sure that they did much. Um, maybe, maybe something, but like really probably not. Stafford, Tom Stafford says that he was given nothing during either bomb blast. Um, and so he, uh, you know, again, was told to take his arm and cover his eyes in the little cover your arms. So unsurprisingly in 2000, he was diagnosed with prostate and colon cancer. Um, and that's, that's the end of, of Tom's story. Um, not that he passed away, but just moving on to a different story within the same article. Uh, there's a man named Lens Temple. Um, at the time of this article in 2019, he was 87. Uh, for both of them, I didn't find anything that they had passed away. So just mm-hmm. for the sake of my heart, I'm going to pretend they're like they're okay. alive. Yep. Um, so he was 87. Um, he was a member of the U.S. Army's 61st Engineer Combat Battalion, and he and 5,821 other soldiers participated in the quote-unquote Simon Test in Nevada on April 25, 1953. <sighs> he and the soldiers were told to get into the trench about 1,000 yards away from where the bomb would detonate, and they were told it won't hurt you, <laughs> which is just like, honestly, fuck all these people. Um, so he says, I have, I have a bit of quote from him. This next bit is all from him. Um, when the bomb went off, there was a blast that went over us that almost sucked us right out of the trench. It was so damn hot. It felt like my head was shrinking. Wow. I looked and saw this ball of fire just rolling. It looked like an orchid going up. There was an announcement that said everything was okay and that we could start walking towards ground zero. The fireball was still going up. Um, and he said, as he walked towards the blast point, he saw a bunch of dead animals. Um, the sheep looked like somebody drew a line down them. One side was brown and the other side was white. And one of their eyeballs was white. Oh my God. Yeah. So I guess that's something I I didn't previously talk about, but 
a lot of these soldiers recount stories where, um, depending on their location, obviously, I, th- I think, well, maybe, maybe on naval ships. Um, but for a lot of these land tests, they also had different animals there so that they could take the animals back and kind of like watch what happens in a laboratory to the ones who survived the initial blast. Um, I'm sure, unsurprisingly, they all fucking die of extreme radiation exposure. So in the early 2000s, he's also diagnosed with thyroid and colon cancer. Um, So remember at the beginning of this, atomic veterans weren't just those that were, you know, taken to a nuclear testing site without consenting and forced to be exposed to nuclear explosion. Some of the first atomic vets were the servicemen who were sent to Hiroshima and Nagasaki to help clean up after the atomic bombs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And some of those veterans noticed effects very quickly. So Marine Corporal uh, Lyman Eugene Quigley, who was sent to Nagasaki, recalled that, uh, quote, when I got back, I had burning, itching, running sores on the top of my head and the top of my ears. Um, He had sores that looked suspiciously similar to the sores developed by atomic bomb survivors. Wow, not shocking. Um, the doctors who examined him during his discharge examination in 1945 said that the sores were caused by a fungus. Again, like how fucking insulting. Wow. How fucking insulting. So nearly a year later after that, he starts developing stomach tumors that cause um, like massive amounts of pain for him. And this was just the beginning of his deteriorating health, which included lipoma, um, which is like a cancer of a fatty tissue. Um, There's another case of Marine Harry Coppola, who was sent to Nagasaki 44 days after the fat man bomb was dropped. Um, And he believed that the multiple myeloma uh, that he developed resulted from his time in Nagasaki. There are so many stories. Again, I really only have like a couple. It's like scraping the surface. Um, There are so many stories that I highly recommend if you're interested. Uh, One, there's the YouTube link for the, um, whatchamacallit, the documentary, like the Mm -hmm. 12-minute documentary or whatever. Um, But if you were to just Google like atomic veteran stories, you would hear so many personal stories. There's also a really interesting link. Um, It's a reddit link so if you want to look for it that's the link to look for um that's like a vr experience of what it's like to experience a nuke um i would like to see that it's really fucking creepy it's it like made my palm super sweaty just watching it um so that's in the show notes as well there's a ton of of links um to other stories and a lot of the the backstories and history of the stuff in the show notes as well but um, if you have a family member that was in the military during this time and you're wondering if they were part of like this really fucked up um, piece of our history that I feel like there are probably more things like this that are probably happening right now that we won't know about until like, I don't know, 60 years from now. Right. Um, but if you're wondering if they were part of what was happening or what happened the process I took, and there's probably a better process for this, um, is looking at the list of tests that the U.S. did, seeing if any of those tests overlap with your fa- uh, family member's time in the service. Uh, for some of the tests, it is actually documented um, who was present. Like if it was, you know, a naval ship that was present, it talked about what Navy ship was there, and you could kind of match up with like yeah, you your family members. Yeah. yeah. 
others, it's not really clear. And again, that office burned down with all of the records in it. Um, there is a link. I'll have to make sure it's in the show notes as well, but um, it's got a bunch of information. If you have uh, any interest in like reaching out to the department uh, within our U.S. government that handles this for more information, um, you know, if you think you have a family member that was involved. And um, yeah, I don't know. I like, I don't want to assume, but if you have family members that were in the military during this time and like died at a pretty young age, you know, relatively young, um, from like a rare cancer tumor or something. Uh, it one could just be one of the million things that you fucking get exposed to in the military, or it could be this, especially if it was like a rare form of cancer, super aggressive or something. Um, if you're outside of the U S I'm not really sure what the process would look like for you, especially within the research I was doing. Um, it sounded like countries like France were just super fucking secretive about this Still. up until recently. Okay. Um, so that's great. So that's that's all that I have for today. I need to finish this beer because this was depressing. And um, I hope you learned something new. I certainly learned uh, another fucked up part of our our history. I'm not surprised. Yeah, I'm no. not surprised. Um, I did find that link you put of the um, like watching a nuke happen. Yeah, I'm on the beach right now. Yeah. Also, good for you for using old Reddit. I always use old Reddit. The I new Reddit is designed purely to increase advertising on the site because that's really the only way that they make money. Um, well, I, I I lied. That's not the only way that they make money. It's the primary way, but. All right, that's today's episode. Um, appreciate you guys hanging out with us today. And uh, let us know what you thought of today's episode. And uh, I guess we'll see you next time. Yeah, go hug a loved one. Yeah, yeah. Tell somebody you love them today. All right, bye. <laughs> bye.